0: Hey, everybody, I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted podcast. Have you ever worked in a practice where there's a hothead in the building? I think a lot of us can raise our hands and say yes to that one. This episode is a little bit different because we are talking about a very important question that came into us through the mailbag, and that is, what do we do when the hothead is the one in charge? This was a question about a uh, medical director wondering what to do when They have a practice manager who is the one who is the hothead. They are reactive. They come from a place of emotion rather than logics when people question them or their judgment or they perceive that someone is questioning them. And this medical director is wondering, what in the heck do I do with this? How do I get the team to understand that this is not acceptable behavior? How do I change the behavior, especially when I'm not actually this person's boss? This one's going to be a fun one. So let's get into this. And now, the Uncharted Podcast.
1: And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie feeling hot, hot, hot goss. <laughs> oh, how's it going, Andy? It's, it's, as I said, it's, it's frustrating. I'm having that day where I have worked all day and I have finished nothing. Yeah. Like, nothing has been finished. Yeah. Everything has ended with me running into a roadblock that requires waiting for someone else, or needing to uh, make an edit after I show it to someone, or, um, yeah, just having to go back to the drawing board, or us running out of the thing that we need. Like, I'm like, this is finished. like, no, we're out of printer ink. It's not finished, (laughs) because I can't print it until the ink is here. And it's just my whole, I have busted my hump today. And if someone's like, what did you finish? The answer is nothing. absolutely nothing. <laughs> I hate days like that. I took like my that. child all the way to school. Like, if that... If it, if that matched the rest of my
0: day, Hannah would be like in some neighborhood somewhere halfway there. Or I was gonna uh, say, you got all the way home and then they called and said, hey, she doesn't have her <laughs> lunch or her permission <laughs> slip or I something, to, right? Like,
1: like oh. <laughs> I have to go take her lunch to school. That's exactly what that That would yeah. have been a hundred percent part of the course today. I'm super loving the work I'm doing. <laughs> but I just wish it would end. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, I'm sorry. Well, those days, those days are frustrating, you know, because you you on one hand, you feel really productive because you're just chugging through and you're oh, getting shit done. And I'm on the other hand, with, you don't feel like you've done, done anything.
1: anything. Yeah, Oh yeah. I'm super ha- like the work that I have done today is good work. Like I've worked hard. Right. And if someone said, show me what you did today, I could lay down a lot of things and they would be like oh man you put some thought into this and you did some research here and this is going to very soon be something that you're proud of right i'm like yep it's just not, not today <laughs> exactly not today <laughs> not today <laughs>
0: Um, oh man!
1: Oh man! So I, that's <laughs> me. How about you? How were how were things? You woke up with a migraine.
0: I I you know it's one of those it's one of those days we have been having. Uh, it, this has been the longest, coldest, wettest spring we have had in the eight years that I have lived here. Uh-huh. It is still pouring down rain like every day but we have started having mornings where we wake up and it teases us like it's going to be sunny and it's bright and there's blue sky and then it starts pouring. Uh, and so I just think that like the shift in the weather and the pollen, the the, the plants are so confused because they're getting some sunshine and then it starts pouring again uh, and there's pollen everywhere. And it just, I woke up this morning and just was like, okay, my head feels like it's going to explode. But other than that, things are, uh, things are good. There's lots happening. We are busy, busy, busy and um oh, you know I it is it is good it's good. Things are good. Yeah. I
1: know. I agree. I'm just we're we are working so hard behind the scenes. People have no idea. Like we're in stealth mode I'm, bang, yeah. no, banging we've got, away on a bunch of stuff. We've oh got some God. stuff
0: coming up in the next couple of weeks that's gonna uh come out and launch or uh open up and I am really excited about a lot of the things that are that are coming. So Yeah. Not me too.
1: All right. We have Uh, We have a good question today. This is one that a lot of people, I think, have. And this is going to let you and me uh, really geek out on some stuff that we love to talk about. This is Mm -hmm. a strong suit for the two of us. Yeah. Let's get into working with hotheads.
0: Yep. So we got a letter in the mailbag uh, from from a friend and colleague of ours. And it was so funny because their first sentence was, how do I calm down the practice hothead? And then, and then the second sentence was, and how do I do that when the hothead is the one in charge? (laughs) (laughs) And and I started laughing. I was like, oh, fantastic. And then they, they went on to fill us in on the longer version. Uh, So this is a practice who has a practice manager who is the one who is very reactive. And this, Mm -hmm. um, this perception is coming from the team. Um, in particular, they are really reactive when they get feedback from anybody on the team. And so they are asking for feedback from the team and the team feels like when it is being given or when questions are being asked about things that this manager is doing, the manager is reacting from a very emotional place, not from a place of logic at all. So, um, you know, an example that they gave us was, hey, a doctor, one of the doctors on the team had a question. The manager said they were going to look into it. In the meantime, this doctor emailed some other people to ask to see if anybody knew the answer and included the manager in the email. And the manager went back to the associate vet and was like, if you've got something to say to me, say it to my face, don't uh, email yeah. my boss. Like very angry that they had emailed anybody else. Um, and so it, uh, th- this, uh, the person who wrote this to us is a medical director. So they're working directly with this manager, um, but they are in the position where they are not actually their boss, which is pretty common in a, in a corporate structure, right? Like if you're not the practice owner and you're, you're a medical director, often the practice manager is being at day-to-day managed by someone else. And so this medical director is like, look, I've talked to this person about these things. The team is talking to them about it. But at the end of the day, I'm not their direct boss. So I can't hold them accountable in a formal capacity. Nope. But I am talking to the team and I am trying to set the example for the team that some of the things that are being said and done are inappropriate um, and the behavior needs to be changed. And so they were asking, what else can I do here? I feel like my hands are kind of tied. Yeah,
1: no, I, I, I like this question a lot. Uh, and, and And the manager part adds. A nice little layer of complexity. It's kind of like a, you know, um, it's like an art project. It's got a nice little flair to it. Like, "Mm, hmm, this isn't, we're not just building a popsicle stick house. No, no. We're going to sprinkle some glitter on this one. Exactly. We're going to make a cupola (laughs) on top. And that makes me excited about the project. I have been spending too much time with that.
0: Or with your uh, D&D nerd friends. Oh, yeah, or with my nerd friends
1: um don't out, don't out my don't out my nerd my nerd hobbies
0: i love it But yeah, I'm definitely, that's, I'm a, definitely fa- doing that's a fairy crafting. tale that's a fairy tale word i love it yeah okay yeah that's uh. true um all right Andy says, we're moving on now. We're going to move on
1: now. uh, Okay. Past my my various hobbies and on to the question at hand. Where do we start? Which is, where the heck do we start? Where do we always start, Stephanie? We always start with Headspace. We always start with Headspace. All right. So... Usually when we talk to headspace, we start talking about getting in the headspace to talk to this person. I think we should get in the headspace in this case of what do we think about this person? Right. Like oh. let's, before we even start to think about how we're gonna talk, the first thing we gotta do is figure out what are we gonna say to them. Um, okay. Okay. Huh. Why does this happen? Why do we have people who have uh who, who respond emotionally to feedback? Because that's what we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um okay. So it comes from a couple of reasons. Number one, some of us are massive perfectionists, and we don't like the idea that someone else thinks we didn't do it right, and that is a huge thing. So is it a perfectionist, and this person doesn't like to be wrong? And I know a lot of people who are like that. Like, they just, the idea that they did something quote-unquote incorrectly, they don't like that being pointed out. The other part of this, and this especially comes, I see it a lot when I see, um, whenever I hear, if you have something to say, say it to my face. And I have heard that a number of times in my career related to emails that went up the chain. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's insecurity. Sure. That is, that's not perfectionism. And usually in my mind, and those things can go together, but oftentimes that's insecurity, which is basically I'm insecure about my position uh, here in the practice or my authority or my status. And when you talk about me or something I'm related to, I feel like my status is being challenged and it, that pushes some emotional buttons for me. And and the last thing is, is, nobody teaches us how to take feedback. You know, people, I mean, people just, we just don't talk about it. I think about it with my own kids and I'm like, have I told my kids or talked to my kids about how to take feedback? I hope I've modeled it for them because I think that that's the only way to really teach it is to... Take feedback from other people, and people see you do it, and they say, "Okay, well, I I see this person who I respect, and that's how they receive feedback." I, I so those are my big three things: perfectionism, insecurity, and a lack of modeling or training in how to take feedback. I I think, I think those are some of the big reasons that we sort of start to see these behaviors.
0: Yeah, I think this is a case um, for me of needing to look at the other person and say, "Okay, their response." whatever that is, seems incongruent with the reaction that I would have, that I personally would have, or that I would expect someone to have if they were given this kind of feedback. And so for me, that is a situation where then I try and ask myself, what else could be happening here? Or, you know, look at it from the perspective of, I clearly don't have all the information because to your point, there could be multiple reasons why this is happening. Maybe they were, maybe this is a trigger for them because they were in a situation previously where something did go wrong. And this isn't that case, but in their heads, the story their subconscious tells them is this situation is the same. And so you have that fight or flight kind of reaction, right? So for me, it's really about, okay, if this reaction feels wildly disproportionate to how I might react or how I would expect somebody to react, the first question that I want to ask is, what's going on inside their head? And I think this is the danger zone because a lot of times we hypothesize what could be going on and then we pick something out of that list and make up a story in our own head about why they're reacting. And too often we don't ask them, Hey, what's going on? Right? And we don't yeah. we don't go to them and ask them to translate what's happening in their brain. And so from a headspace perspective, I think it's really important to think and and one of the questions that I have learned to ask myself is what could be going on? And I try and think of reasons why someone might react that way. The danger in that is when you ask yourself those kind of questions, you have to do something with that to try and actually get more information. Otherwise, you're just making up stories in your head and that's going to complicate things even further
1: yeah i agree i I think that there's there's a a split here uh is this a one-off instance or is this a pattern of behavior yeah i completely agree if this is a one-off out of character uh instance right this person gets mad and that doesn't usually happen then i think the easy thing to do is to go to them and say hey that's not like right. what's going on or what happened and go with compassion and empathy right. and a just a curiosity to understand and and so yeah i completely agree with that the second part of that is when this is a pattern of behavior and this person consistently does not handle feedback well mm-hmm. at some point you say i it's not a different reason every day it's just whenever this person gets feedback yeah. you know they they consistently don't don't handle it well sure I, I think, I think separating those two things of, is this a one-off? Is this a bad time for them? Is this out of character? Or is this a pattern of just not taking any sort of critical feedback well? Mm-hmm. I, I think separating those things is important. Really, um, the other things I'll put in my mind is, uh, this person can grow out of this behavior. Mm-hmm. And I have... seen people move past this specific behavior. I have worked with people who uh, uh, reacted strongly or emotionally to negative information and and negative feedback. And they decided they didn't like that. And they came to realize that they were shooting themselves in the foot or that they were their own worst enemy or they made situations significantly worse. Mm -hmm. And that experience for them allowed them to decide they were going to do better. And this is something that if the person wants to move past, Mm -hmm. I 100% believe you can move past it. I believe that we can be the masters of our emotions. If people Mm -hmm. are serious about changing this behavior, they can change it. I don't buy into the idea of that's just how I am. I can't help it. Yes, you can help it. but. They have to want to help it, which means there is no feedback that I can give if they don't see the problem. They have to want yep. to, to, to change this behavior about themselves. And so to the, to the point of the writer, uh, at, at the very beginning, I would say to them, you're right. You're not going to change this person unless they want to change. Right. And, it, and here's the other thing it doesn't matter if you are their boss. If they don't (laughs) see a problem, you're not going to change them. It doesn't matter. And so uh, really, I think if you internalize that, I think that that gives you a lot of options in how to approach it. And ultimately, that's the path to success is I can't make this person do anything. Right. But I can talk to them honestly about the repercussions of how they receive information and the effect that they're having when they react this way on other people. Mm -hmm. I can say to them, honestly, this is career limiting, and it is like your ability to move up or to do other things or to expand or to take on more responsibility uh, or, or be in this role as the hospital grows, yes. all those things are limited by your inability to receive critical feedback without getting angry. Yes. And, and the other thing that I, I tend to say to the people that is, I think is helpful is, and this is true to some degree, it's not necessarily about the way you respond, It's about the way that your response affects other people and how they interpret your response. Uh And so for whatever reason, I think that's a much more palatable thing than you're hurting everyone's feelings. Right. To say your reaction is being highly scrutinized and people are really uh, taking it very, very seriously and Uh are making assumptions that you don't like them Uh or that you are angry and will continue to be angry at them. And it is undermining your relationship with them and their productivity because they're out for the rest of the day mentally checked out i i I think that those are those are helpful ways to approach the conversation that we have and just kind of try to lower the stakes for the individual
0: yeah i i think that's a smart distinction and i think for me like where i have seen i agree with you i think people can grow in this regard and where i have seen the most growth um, in my own team and my own experiences uh, have been situations where something has been said to the person that finally unlocked for them not so much it was their behavior although that was a part of it but it was how other people were viewing their behavior or the impact that it was having on the other people that once they saw that really truly heard it and saw it it was like oh you know like I I I n- never would want to hurt people that way like they understood that it it was coming across in a very negative and a very um in some cases hurtful way and that for whatever reason it was like the conversation had been had different ways multiple times and it was just, I was at the point where it felt like I wasn't getting through to this person and then there was a conversation where the it was unlocked and they were like oh yeah. other people are perceiving what I'm doing as bullying, I'm perceiving myself as just being angry and, yep. be- and letting off steam and doing what I do. Right. But it, but for them, it was finally hearing the perception that it wasn't coming across angry. It was coming across bullying or whatever that was. It unlocked sure. that emotionally for them, um, on a way that allowed them to grow with it. So I think, I think that's a really important, uh, distinction. Sometimes it is also about their own actions and what they're doing, but sometimes it's just about the perception that other people on the team are having and the impact that that has.
1: I would say it's always about the impact they're having on the other people. Unless, okay, now let's get into the nuance of getting angry a bit, because this is important. And and it's not black and white, no one ever gets upset, Mm -hmm. no one ever gets angry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's really important. We are all human beings. Yes. We're not the Buddha. Yes. And I have 100% worked with people who will come and give me horrible news and then be upset that I am angry about the news <laughs> that I received. You know what I mean? I mean, it would be something awful like, I don't know, like your patient just died. And I'll be like, what? And they're like, why are you so upset? Don't be upset. And I'm like, of course I'm upset. I'm not at hey, you, right? It, to some degree, I use that as an awkward example of we're human beings dealing yes. in emotional things. Like there is some amount of giving people the grace to react to to the situation in the news. We're not robots, and my, you know your boss is not the Buddha. And I think seeing them as a real person, just like you, I, I, I do think that there's there's some point to that. I also would go along with the idea that. You know, communication happens at the ear, not at the mouth, and that's also why anger uh, is so so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. It's because we all perceive anger very differently, and, yes. and it, it it can be it can be very different among families. It's very different among cultures. I grew up in a family where people did not raise their voices to each other mm-hmm. very often mm-hmm. like it almost never happens. yes and i know other people who come from loving families that scream at each other yes. all the time yeah i i remember <laughs> being a, a a young person i remember being an adult i've gone to people's houses and they're yelling at yes. each other and i'm like I feel so awkward. I can't why I shouldn't be here. Like this is and then they're like, and we're ready for dinner. Let's have everybody sit down. And they're like, okay. And then they, and then it's like it never happened. And I'm like, do you understand the fallout of that yelling exchange at my house? Like that would be a
0: big deal. And they're like,
1: Nope, that's just appetizers.
0: Welcome to holidays, everybody. <laughs> My My law. Law. <laughs> and, uh, at, at it's Goss. true. Um, it's totally true though. Like and well, that is a big, it's a big difference b- within families. And it is, it is jarring when you are used to, or have grown up in a situation or culture that is vastly different than, than the one that's, that's being presented. And I think, I think the same kind of thing applies here because I have worked with people who grew up, so to speak, in clinic environments that you you would look at and say, this is the quiet family. And then you go to the family's house where they communicate by shouting at one yeah. another. That is a very jarring, <laughs> that is a very jarring experience. And so I think that that applies very truly hear um, yeah. that people can not only on, on a personal level have grown up in in different ways and experienced different things throughout their life but also from a work perspective that sure. th- there is culture in our practices and people are impacted by that and their reactions um and the way that they respond often are conditioned and influenced by that well i mean the other part of this that feeds into it too, one is how people
1: respond by getting angry or yelling or whatever. The other part is how they give feedback, yes. which is another part of this yes. equation. And I know people, so my uh, my wife's uh, extended family, a big a big piece of that extended family, it's from Nicaragua. And they are, shall we say, direct with each other. They 100% <laughs> would just say how they're feeling about what you just said uh-huh. right to your face in very clear language, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's kind of, uh, you think of, uh, I don't know, conversations on, uh, I don't know, like Pawn Stars or Jersey Shore where people are, they love each other, they are right up in each other's face. Right. Uh, that That's how they communicate. And I'm just like, oh boy, if someone gave me di- feedback that direct, I would have to <laughs> process that. And they're <laughs> like, nope, I said you were lazy and I meant that you were lazy and I'm like, wow, <laughs> you guys just, you just went at each other. And they're like, nope, we're just communicating how we feel. And, and again, I say all this and we're laughing. The point is that is 100% fine mm-hmm. as long as everybody's on board right. and we all know what the ground rules are and we're all comfortable communicating that way. That's why it works in families. Right. Like families can all yell at each other as long as they're all comfortable giving and receiving yelling. Um, And, and a lot of people are. And so I'm not judging It's just, for me, I go, holy crap. And, um, you know, I I can see people saying, wow, that that guy, that guy was yelling and that's really bad. And he's going, that's not a, that's just, I was just communicating. And I also see other people saying, why does this person get so upset when I give them feedback? And I'm like, oh, buddy, the feedback you're giving is extremely direct and um, maybe not, uh, maybe not gracefully given. And they go, well, that's how I give feedback in my family or, or, you know, where I came from before. And, And so all of that, I just introduced to intentionally muddy the waters a little bit around. This person responds in an emotional way. I go, This is not as cut and dry as people like to think it is. Right. And I think that that's good because it's much easier to coach people when you're in a, a little bit of a murky water, when it's not, hey, you're clearly the bad guy who needs to change. It's much easier to say, hey, look, everyone is different in how they give and receive feedback, everyone is different in their comfort with emotion and showing emotion. you're not bad, you're not wrong even, you're being perceived this way. Mm -hmm. And there are other people who will perceive you this way as you go on in your career. Mm -hmm. And while you're not wrong, you're less effective than you should be or could be. And there are some changes you can make to make yourself much more effective. And I just think that's so much easier to think and to say than to try to say you're you're a bully and people are complaining.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing that um, you know, I, I like that we're talking about the murky waters because I think it is important to be able to see some perspective from both sides here because like you said, it's not it's not cut and dried that we're talking about someone who is a horribly toxic person and their right. behaviors are like, this is flaming and it just needs to go, right? Like we've had some episodes where we said, this is our answer because that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's clear cut. I don't think that this is the case. The one thing I will say that for me brings things into focus and and gives me a good direction to head in is that um our writer said a lot of this a lot of the communication here that is problematic is happening over email. Uh, and so yes. and so I think that that's a it crystallizes it for me because email lacks the ability to read tone and emotion mm-hmm. the way that you can when you're in a room with someone and you're looking at their face and you're hearing the tone of their voice and you're seeing their body language. You know, we were talking about communicating in families and and that kind of environment and I really I am a big advocate that there should be professional bars set in our workplace. And I I'm not a fan of the idea that let's just have one big happy family at work because I don't I don't think that, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen that work out too well, <laughs> too often. Um, yeah. And so for for me, that's something that I struggle with. And the area where I feel like um, it allows us to have some focus here is that we're specifically talking about, uh, most frequently, the context of email. And so that is something that makes it actionable for us because it's not like they're all sitting in the same room. And yep. so it makes the ability to coach and make it actionable a little bit easier, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I agree. And the last part of me for headspace is, um, if you are someone who deals with this person, and you have to deal with these blow ups, right, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. dealing with this, I, I think you need to get a headspace for that. And, and the headspace for me is, um, you know, Personal boundaries are important to me and dignity is important to me and Mm self-respect are important to me, which means I am not going to have you trample on my dignity and I am not going to uh, abandon my self-respect and let you yell at me, you know, like I'm just, I'm not going to do that. And I would encourage people to decide what are you willing to tolerate? And what are you not willing to tolerate? And Mm -hmm. this is beyond, you know, this is beyond your practice protocols. It's just, it's the ability and the willingness to say, excuse me, I don't appreciate you speaking to me like that. Right. And people say, oh my God, you say that? And I do. And the reason I would say that is because you have a choice to make when you deal with someone who reacts this way. Do you want to have awkwardness as you deal with this person getting angry? Or do you want to have resentment because you didn't deal with this person getting angry, yeah. and now they have continued to act this way, and you don't know when it's going to happen again? And you know, and this doesn't have to be a first time it happens, I'm ready for it. But if this is a thing that happens at some point, you have to ask yourself— Am I willing to be spoken to like this? And if the answer is no, then that doesn't mean I'm going to get mad. It doesn't mean I'm going to yell back. I'm not. But I am going to tell you, listen, I do not appreciate being spoken to like that. Mm -hmm. And it may not be at the time this person is reacting emotionally. Mm -hmm. I may come Mm -hmm. back and say, hey, can we talk about yesterday afternoon Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. you did this I, it was not acceptable and it ruined my day. And I went home and talked to my spouse about it, and it because it asked how much it bothered me. And I want you to know that that's the effect it had on me and I'm not willing to have those conversations or be treated like that again. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll go get another job, you know, and like mm-hmm. seriously. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just, I do believe in that. There's plenty of vet jobs out there and I'm not going to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you can back people down real fast if you just tell them that. And again, I'm not. I'm not trying to be callous. I'm not trying to to be a jerk. I'm being honest about what I need to be in this relationship. And I and I I go back again and again to what we always say is that guys, your job is a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you should treat it like a relationship. And I'm not gonna be in a relationship with people who yell at me. Right. And I would say that to, to I would say that to people I call my friends. I would say that to my family members. Like, hey, I'm not gonna call you if you're gonna yell at me and break right. me. I'm not putting myself in that position. Right. And you need to know that and that's why I go back to personal boundaries to dignity and self-respect is go, I'm not willing to tolerate this and I will tell you that and you can do with that information what you will. I'm not kidding.
0: Yeah, well, should we take a break here and then jump into how do we take this headspace and try and address some of what is happening? yeah
1: i think there's a lot of stuff that we can do i i think this is usually i can get pretty good outcomes on these Mm -hmm. uh on these conversations so yeah let's take a break and then we'll get into it Okay. Okay. Hey Stephanie Gotts, you got a second to talk about guardian vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing, Um, (laughs) and I'm sure you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up, and the doctors are busy, and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. (laughs) <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk. And they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend.
0: Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that?
1: Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on uh, on the phone. Phones are up at the front desk. Check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Stephanie, and I want to jump in here for just one quick second and make sure that you know about a workshop that's coming up from the Uncharted community that you are not going to want to miss. Now, you might not be the person who's in charge of marketing for your practice. If not, write this down and pass it along because we are being joined by none other than the Bill Schroeder from InTouch Practice Communications. Bill is amazing. He is wonderful. He is funny. He is kind and down to earth, and he loves nothing more than working with veterinary practices and cheering them on about digital marketing. And Bill is joining us on Wednesday, June 8th from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, which is 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific. And he is talking about creating content that clients crave. He is going to teach us how to explore contents that are the most valuable uh, and that have a huge impact and talk about proven methods for great content development. Bill did this workshop for us live in person previously. And I said, hey, Bill, I would love for you to bring this to the Uncharted community, but also to Veterinary Medicine and beyond. And he is doing just that on Wednesday, June 8th. If you would like to find out about this and all of the upcoming events from Uncharted, head on over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events, and you'll be able to find all of the things that are coming that you are not going to want to miss. Now back to the podcast. All
1: right, you ready to unpack this a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Let's jump into specifics here. So, uh, specifics, as we have this conversation. Number one, lower the stakes. It's, it goes back to what we were talking about before. I don't want this person necessarily to feel judged. I don't want, to, as, any more than I have to, I want to make this not a big deal. When people have a personal law, like a personality trait that's causing problems, right? it is easy for them to feel like you're attacking their identity and who they are, right. and that can stimulate strong emotions, feelings of shame, things like that. None of those things help me change this person's behavior, sure. and that is why I'm going to go ahead and try to lean into what we talked about before of, hey, communication happens at the ear, not at the mouth. And you are being perceived in this way, or you are having these negative effects on people when they are seeing this emotional response or hear this specific language, Mm -hmm. right? To try Mm -hmm. to lower the stakes. Number two, and you heard me just kind of stumble on it. You can't say you're being a hothead. You're getting angry because people will say, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. You need to speak in specifics. What are you talking about? Are they raising their voice? Are they using foul language? Because that is not acceptable. That's in the employee handbook. Right. And that's that's not okay. Are they giving feedback that is being taken as, um, I don't know, mean. Exactly what feedback are we talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, give me, we got to give them examples. It's not fair to say, hey, when you give feedback, people really don't like it. And they're like, what do I do? Or what am I doing? And they're like, I don't know. They just, whatever you're doing, they hate mm-hmm. it. And yeah. like, well, I don't know what to do with that. Right. Um, so, so we've got to speak in specifics,
0: and I think that goes on both sides. And I um want to pull something out from some of what was shared with us. Um, our medical director said, you know, an example of one of the emails was that they had sent uh, an email to someone on the team saying, "Hey, when," or multiple people on the team saying, "Hey, when you guys do this thing," and told them what the thing is. They, they told them what their response was, but the way that they phrased their response was, this feels like a slap in the face to me and I'm not gonna tolerate it moving forward. That is a really good example of where it's, not not clear. It's not specific. So y- giving them the example is wonderful. You should tell them exactly what happened, right? they They need context. But telling them that it feels like a slap in the face to you, what what does that mean? Yeah, that's so subjective there that could be interpreted a million different ways by by five different people on your team. And to follow it up with, I won't tolerate it feels again, very subjective because again, what does that mean? It does that mean that you're not going to talk to me anymore. Does that mean that you're going to write me up? Does that mean you're going to report me? What, what does that actually mean? And so I think on both sides of the equation, everything for me around this has to do with very clear action steps and giving, um, clear, clear examples and clear Mm -hmm. responses on both sides, or you're not going to get anywhere.
1: I agree. I also go back to our email 101 rule that we talk about quite frequently. Yes. Anything that is going to elicit emotion or that you have emotion tied into, that's not an email, my friends. That's at least a phone call. It's just, and that's just it. There is too, it's too easy to misinterpret tone to read tone in. We have all heard people reading things in the worst possible, you know, assumptions being made. And yes. they're like, can you believe he said, that's fine. See you later. Can you believe he said that? Yes. And you're like, I don't think he said, that's <laughs> fine. I think he said, that's fine. And then i like, that, nope, nope, that's not what he said. He said, clearly,
0: that's <laughs> fine. (laughs) Uh, That's actually, uh, that's, it's so funny that you called that out because that's actually uh, an improv exercise that I learned in, in school. And I actually love doing that with my team in team meetings. You can 100% take a, a, a phrase, couple of sentences at the most and have five people read it and tell them, Read it however you want to read it. And you will get five different tones, five different inflections, five different uh, emotions played into the exact. Same wording, yeah. and so you want to talk about eye-opening for your team, like when you're talking about customer service stuff or stuff that's coming in from clients. It's a great example, and it applies here to the team too. When you're talking about sending emails to each other, particularly, it, I, you're spot on. You're gonna have different reactions from different people, and so it's funny because you were saying earlier that we don't we don't get taught how to take feedback, and um, I would say that one of the things that often is not taught enough either is how to write professional emails. Yeah. And it's funny because I actually uh, t- I took a, a, cl- a class in business school about uh, business communication and one whole semester was l- on email and it was a short course. It was but it was weeks of how do we, yeah. how do you write professional emails? Wh- how, what things go into them? What don't how, you know? What kind of grammar? How do we use language appropriately? And that is something that I think that we don't teach enough, yeah. um, just in general as a life mm-hmm. skill. And then when we take people, a lot of times in veterinary medicine, and we promote them because they're good at the job they had, yeah. we don't often equip them with the we don't often equip them with the skills that they need to be successful in the job that they have now. And this, for me, is usually an example of one of those things because we think it should be common sense for people to know what should go in an email and what should not. But it it, it is not. That is a teachable skill and it is something that we don't often um, put enough emphasis on. And so I think that that, that part is really important. Teaching our teams, hey, these are, I love how simply you state the rule. Like, if this is something you have emotion for or you feel like it might elicit an emotional response yeah. on the part of the other person, don't put it in an email. Yeah, people simple over- rule.
1: Yeah, people overuse email. Uh, they, they do. Uh, yeah. Emails, should be short. Or text. They should be, exactly, or text. Um, Especially text. There should not be any emotion in text. It should be 100% straight up rote information mm-hmm. that this is what, what time are we meeting? Yes. Thank you. What is the phone number? Yes. I will be there five minutes late. It right. should be straight up communications like that. Yes. Uh, people way overuse email. It should be short information exchanges. Yes. Uh, two two things I would say on, on that. My favorite one when we talk about uh, tone, Uh, My favorite example is this. It's, uh, I didn't say you made a mistake. 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 And I didn't say you made a mistake. And those are all different. And they are 100% the same phrase. And it is just, where do you put the emphasis on that? And and it's a joke, but it's not a joke. And, And that is why I say anything that has emotion, just, Text is not the right way to send us. It. Not. Mm-hmm. And so so there's that. The other thing as far as your professional email course, I will say this. I have been thinking about this recently. I believe that the most valuable videos on YouTube. Are the boring videos of things you do all the time and would never watch a video of? You know, I think the number one how-to YouTube video that anyone should watch is how to use your own cell phone. Like, if people are like, "I'm not watching how to use my iPhone," I'm like, I bet the amount of time and quality of your life would go up substantially if you watch the 25 minute. Here's the top 10 tricks you didn't know about your iPhone. Like, I, I'm confident that. Yeah, I think in that vein, I think a class on how to write a professional email, everyone goes, I do. No- other people need that. I don't need that. I'm like, you should take the free class. Everyone needs that. Everyone probably needs that. And it's just, it's one of those things where, yes, you would sit through it. And yes, you would probably pick up two or three little things, but those two or three little things might save your bacon uh, a couple of times throughout the thirty-year career of you using email. You know, I will,
0: I will tell you, I took that, I took that class. Um... When T plus years ago, and I couldn't tell you three quarters of the content, but I will tell you the three things that stuck with me from that class. I don't ever do when I am putting it like there. Your point is solid. There were yeah. like three things that stuck out to me, and every time I write an email, I hear the professor's voice in my head, and I am checking to see am I doing or not doing those those three things. I think it's I think it's super super valid. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with that. So so get off the email. Separate the person from the
1: behavior. And, and I know we've said this a couple of different ways. Let's talk about the behavior, not yes. about the person getting angry. You yes. know, maybe they need anger management classes. I don't know. And neither do you. Uh, they need to not communicate in the way that it's making others believe that they're angry. And if they need to go to anger management to accomplish that, then that's fine. But separate the person from the behavior. And let's talk about the behavior, not about the person as uh, a as someone who can't control their emotions
0: i agree and so our medical director asked like okay i'm not i'm not their boss so how can you know what can i do it doesn't matter whether you're someone's boss or not you're a human being who has to interact with them on a regular basis and so there's nothing wrong with you speaking directly to them about the impact that it has on you or the impact that it has on you and the rest of the team. And so for me, I think the action steps start there. And I think the point you just made about separating the person and the behavior is is really important. And so for me, it's about saying, you know, coming assuming good intent and trying to come from a place of good intentions. And I always start with asking for help because I very probably count on one hand the number of times that I have asked somebody else for help and they have flat out refused. And so for for Mm -hmm. me, it is, I need your help. And then give them a specific. The other day when you sent the email about and tell them exactly specifically so that they understand the email that you're referencing. When I read this section, the section on, Um, you know, you telling the team when they do this thing, it feels like a slap in the face. My response, my emotional response, or my interpretation of that was X. And tell them how that made you feel. You're, by intentionally using words like, I I responded this way or my I interpreted that to mean or Mm -hmm. I thought, I felt you're taking it onto yourself and there's nothing wrong with how your brain interpreted it. You're not saying they're wrong for doing it that way. It's not about them. It's about the behavior and how the behavior made you feel or made the team feel. And then say that really bothers me because here's why. It bothers me because I feel like I did something wrong. And I thought the conversation that we had as a group went really well. And so I'm really confused. That leaves me really confused, right? Whatever it is. And then just ask them for help. Tell them what you need. Can you tell me more about what you were thinking when you sent that email? Because I really want to understand where you were coming from, right? Okay. So
1: I love that. And also one of the things I really love about that is it shows the differences in you and me. Um, (laughs) Because I I love it. I love it. Because so a hundred percent, you and I were in lockstep through the whole, hey, I need some help. When you sent that email yesterday, you know, and I, and it said this thing, this is how I interpreted it, or this is how the team, uh, this is how I interpreted it, or, sure. or how, uh, and, and, and I think I've I've heard that the team interpret it similarly. Sure. And then here's where you and I diverge. And it's not, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think some of it is who you are as a person. Sure. Um, and some of it I would say is probably who you're talking to. So Stephanie Goss says, I, I felt this way, or it made me feel this way, or this is the effect that it had on me. Sure. And that is good and powerful. I would 100% step away from you, and my first inclination is to say, hey, this is how it made my life harder, which is, um, and, and this is what you said, and this is kind of how <laughs> I took it, and I know it's how the team took sure. it. Sure. And as a result, I've been dealing with upset technicians <laughs> all day long <laughs> and it's making my life really hard and I I need your help to not put me in a position where I'm dealing with angry upset people sure. for three days because of, of an email that, yeah. that I don't think really represents what you were trying to say yeah. you know and like and I say that and again it's not right or wrong but it's a, you, Stephanie goes to this is how this is how I was affected and I sure. go to this is how this, this is, is the impact un unemotionally this is the impact that you had sure. on me and again, and I'm not saying right or wrong. Yeah. It's, it's 100% who you are. I am a very goal-oriented person. Stephanie is a very relationship-oriented person. And so we, we yeah. do it differently. And well, it's not right or wrong.
0: And I think I think you're spot on. And the other thing that I would say is that the approach that I would take, there, there are absolutely times where I would take your approach. Sure. And for me, it's about how does the other person I'm trying to talk to communicate as well, right? So you are very, like you said, you're very goal-driven and I am very relationship-driven. And so that is my natural default to think that way. And at the same time, if I am talking to someone who is like a no-bullshit, keep it short. Like, let's just have the conversation kind of person. I'm probably going to say, this has been the fallout. This has been the impact that it has had on me or on the team. Um, and I would probably use that tactic. And so I think they both are right and they both have value. And I think it's really important to figure out for yourself what you need to relay, um, and, and also where they are at. Cause we gotta, in order for the conversation to move forward, most successfully, sometimes it's much more important for us to flex into their style or to lean back into, into our own natural state.
1: Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. A hundred percent. I would, I would absolutely flex over into your relationship style, you know, depending on who we're talking to. And Mm -hmm. if I have, if I'm talking to a relationship person, that's, that's where I would lean other than, Hey, I've been inconvenienced by this. I would lean into our relationship. Sure. I just, I love that you said that because it was I was right with you. Love and, then it. you kind of, and then you kinda and of then you kinda made a move and I'm like, ooh, that's not the move I would have made. And then it just made me think about, oh that's that's what that's how Stephanie and I are different. Yes. But again, it's it's your go-to default, but I think your your point is. Maximum effectiveness comes from knowing the other person and making making the move that connects with that person. So anyway, I think, I think I'm think i glad that you did that. I think that that is, exact, that is what I would say and how I would say it is, hey, I need your help with something. Sure. And then I would just tell them, this is what's going on. This is what the email was. This is how I interpreted it. And it's how I know a, a number of members of the staff interpret it as well because
0: Absolutely. Because I've had, I've been having people come up into my office or come to my desk all day long because they are feeling very hurt or very angry or whatever the impact is like, that's a very powerful tool. Yep.
1: I, I agree. And so I, I, I really do think that that is, that is the conversation to have. This person is not your boss, um, which is, uh, they're not your boss and you're not their boss yes. which just makes it have a conversation like a friend or a peer. The best thing is if um the best thing is for a mentor to to say, "Hey, my friend, we need to talk about this." You know, and and frame this in a developmental conversation. And we talk about giving feedback. And this if you are their boss, you have a couple different levers to pull. I would still not pull a correctional lever if I didn't have to. Sure. I would still lead much more into, "Hey, I like you, I think you're doing a good job. The number one developmental challenge that you are facing right now to be a more effective leader is this perception. Yep. That is the yep. number one thing you need to overcome in the next year. Like I, That it should be priority one mm-hmm. in you in self-improvement uh, and professional development for you to get where you need to go, because that is the biggest thing that I think holds you back or or could potentially hold you back in the future. And that is a coaching conversation. I'm your biggest fan. I want you to succeed. I'm telling you, buddy, this is the thing you you got you got to fix this. You got to nail this down. And I believe you can, but you have yeah. to want to do it. You have to do it.
0: Yeah. And I think I think the important part of the conversation is that it doesn't really matter whether you're their boss or they're your no. boss or vice versa. Really for me, anybody on the team should be able to have the kind of conversation that you and i just talked about to say hey look i need your help because this is what happened and this is how it impacted me or this is how it made me feel like they the other members of the team should be able to have that conversation directly with that person and so for our medical director like I know them and I know that they not only talk to this person directly but I'm sure that they also coached other members of the team to try and get them to have the conversations directly because that kind of communication is important to them Mm -hmm. and at the same time I think it doesn't matter whether you are their direct boss or not if you are taking it to the person who can do something about it. So if I am taking it to the manager and saying, Hey, this is what happened. You, I need you to work with me here because this was the impact or this is how it made me feel or the team feel or whatever. And you've had that conversation, especially if you've had that conversation repeatedly, which our medical director friend has, then it is not wrong to then manage up and ask for help with this situation because you have tried to fix it yourself. And so if you have tried repeatedly and you can clearly define the steps that you have taken for someone else, it is not wrong to go to your boss or their boss and say, hey, here's the situation. Here's what I've done to try and uh, fix this. I am at a point where I feel like I need some help because I'm not getting any traction and I really want to resolve this situation. Can you help me figure out what comes next? You're not asking them to solve it for you. You're not asking for them to take the problem off. On. now they may look at it and say this is not your problem this is my problem i will mm-hmm. have the conversation but you are asking them for help and that is a skill managing up in that way is a, again is a skill that we don't teach and we don't learn and it is often looked at as well you're just telling on them right and that's not what you're doing right. <laughs> but there is absolutely an expectation at that for for me at that level of professionalism and if i yep. have had a conversation repeatedly and i've asked for changes in the behavior from a person that i have a relationship with and I am supposed to be in a working partnership with as a medical director and as a practice manager, if I have set my expectations, if I have been clear about my boundaries, if I have had those conversations and asked for their help and the behavior is still not changing, your next step should be to ask for someone else's help. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, the comeback to, you should say it to
1: my face, is I did say it to your face. Yes, three times. Right. And then yesterday you did this thing. Right. And the behavior doesn't seem to be changing, or this yes. continues to be a problem. Yes. Uh, that Like that. That's it. But um, I no, I completely agree with you. I, I think it's really good. The last little uh, caveat I'll put in, which should have gone at the very beginning, but I just kind of thought in my mind, I'm like, we didn't say this clearly, but I feel like we probably should. Is um, don't get mad yourself, <laughs> like. Confronting the <laughs> hot-headed person yes. when you're triggered yes. is probably, it's like, it's like hey, I'm gonna put this fire out with a powder keg I happen to have laying right. nearby. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not good. I'm gonna douse this fire with some gasoline. That'll settle it down. Right. Nope. Um, make sure that you're not angry when you talk to the person, which means yes. going to them and saying, hey, I need your help. Yesterday, when you sent this email, I was really affected and I'm not affected now, but boy, I I took that in a negative way yesterday. And that just makes this conversation a lot easier as opposed to, how dare you, sir? (laughs) How dare you send me an email like this and you slap them with your latex glove and demand satisfaction uh, with a a, a catheter duel. Uh, No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) You okay, Steph? Okay. I can't that's the end of this episode that's, that's it we're done I got nothing else alright guys have a, have a wonderful week everybody
0: have a don't fantastic get angry Greek. and
1: send emails to anybody that's your homework <laughs> until next one
0: I love it have a great week everybody take care well gang that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast and as always this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.